Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana. Time to recap the seventh week of Big Ten football. We've got a clear view of the Big Ten West now, kind of down to two teams in that race, potentially. And we've got a pretty clear view of the East now. It feels like it's a two-team race. So the Big Ten's starting to shape up here in the second half of the season, here in the thick of conference play. And joining me, as always, on the campus of the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, it's Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Patrick, back back in Columbus, excuse me, after being back home uh, last episode. I was and speaking. It was pretty good. I had a good time. Got to watch some football. Got to watch a, uh, you know, we were talking last episode about singing Rocky Top after a potential Tennessee win, and it, it did happen. Um, that so cool. that was pretty fun to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of the Ohio State University, just had another uh, story published in The Lantern. This one is about a men's basketball player named Kalen Etzler. Go check it out. It's on thelantern.com. plug, Reed Murray. And you can find it. Yeah, early plug, yeah. Uh, you can find it also on my Twitter or Instagram, at Reed J. Murray, either one. Uh, go check that out. But uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk some football. Go pull up that link, listen to this podcast, and read the story afterwards. There you go. There you go. Okay. Um, well, if you want to do that, any, anything else, Reed, going on in your life in Columbus? Keep it um, I mean – Football's back in Columbus this week. We, there was an away game, and then there was a bye week. So uh, home football is back in the shoe, so that's always exciting. Exciting. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to this week. Has to be. I am too. I uh, I am taking this as one of the nice handful of weeks in the season where I don't have to be in a stadium. Uh, I'm not traveling to Rutgers to see Indiana play there. So uh, it'll be nice to be – I'm going back home to Indianapolis to sit on a couch, watch games with my dad, and uh, and enjoy it from home. So – uh, been a while since I've gotten to do that, and uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to a nice little relaxing week off. Going to be fun. But let's recap the games that we saw this Saturday, Reed. A lot to talk about, a lot of winners, a lot of losers. Let's do this here in our first segment of the show. Winner of the week. Reed, who's your winner this week? One of the weeks got to be the Michigan run game. And I point out the run game in particular because the talk of this game was that Penn State is good at stopping the run and Michigan's biggest strength is the run. So how is that going to shake out? Obviously, it shook out in Michigan's favor. And I think what this really means is uh, it makes Michigan to look a whole lot more intimidating for any opponent. The fact that the run offense is just so powerful. They were over. They were able to overpower this Penn State defense uh, and score 41 points. I mean, that's uh, no easy task. And I think it definitely makes a good case for Michigan in rankings. Uh, whether it's this week or just down the line, I think it makes Michigan look a whole lot more difficult to beat if you're a team like Ohio State or if you're a potential Big Ten West team playing them in the championship or a potential bowl opponent. Um, you know, this this makes Michigan look a whole lot scarier, and I think that's that's huge for them. It's going to be huge for their confidence, and at the end of the day, when you put up the kind of numbers they did against Penn State, um, that's definitely makes you a winner of the week. They can run on anybody. They can run on Iowa. They can run on Penn State. Those are two of the top run defenses in the country. Tough to run the ball on those two squads. Definitely a big winner this week. And it's a two-headed run game, just like it was last year with Tennessee Titans on Haskins and Blake Corum. Now it's Corum and Donovan Edwards. So, as always, Michigan's running the ball exceptionally well. Definitely a winner this week. My winner this week, Reed, is the Illinois defense. Listen, I've still got my concerns about Illinois as a team. Obviously, they're 6-1, and one, the one loss being to the Indiana Hoosiers. People forget. But here, here's the thing with Illinois. Like any good Big Ten West team, they, they are not an offensive football team. They're not going to beat you through the air. They can beat you on the ground. I, I definitely think they've got the ground game to do it. But this defense is absolutely the heart and soul of their team. And, that, and that's the, the trademark of a Brett Bielema coach defense. And, man, 
they really did show that this week. When, when you look at the way they played in this Minnesota game, giving up only 14 points, really just destroyed Tanner Morgan today on that game. And he did get hurt in that game, but uh, he threw for 21 yards and a pick, the backup through two picks. Really just a dominant day by the Illinois defense. And as incompetent as Minnesota's offense looked, it, it definitely was not entirely self-inflicted. I think a lot of it was because Illinois was throwing some really unique stuff at them, some fun packages, and is just talented in all facets of their defense. This is a legitimate unit that can hang with the best offenses in the country. I'm not saying Minnesota is that. What I am saying is that we learned a lot about them in, in high stakes, high pressure game. They can absolutely step up to the test. So Illinois defense, huge winner this week for me. Reed, any thoughts on them? I mean, I think when, when any time you hold a quarterback who is in is what year is he? Uh, six years. Anytime you hold a sixth year uh, quarterback to four completions on 12 attempts. I mean, that's unheard. 25% completion percentage for a sixth year quarterback. That's a good sign for your defense. And a backup who threw like four passes through two picks. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, a great percentage. backup. Yeah. Backup two for six with even against two interceptions. The, even against you the know. worst offenses in the country, an average defense isn't doing that. You've got to be a lead to do that. And yeah, and that's um, one of the worst deep offenses in the country. They're, they're pretty yeah, good. Minnesota's got a good offense. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not, definitely not a passing offense or pass first offense, but it's actually with, you know, Salmon Bell. Yeah, but they can pass sometimes. They definitely couldn't this past week. Uh, and I think a lot of that is a credit to the Illinois defense. And this is what we saw from Illinois in 2019 as well. And this was something we expected to carry over into 2020. And in 2020 and 21, Illinois' defensive backs were really bad, as good as they were in 2019. It was the strength of their team. This is what we've been expecting from them to do for a couple of years. And it's really in- enticing and really exciting to see them getting back into form. Oh, absolutely. I think it completely changes the complexion of this team. It, it, you know, for as fluky as I feel like the six and one is, and it, it is, but Hey, I'd rather be a fluky six and one than any record worse than that. Don't get me wrong. So, well, for me, I, I would call it a fluky six and one, but I think the fact that they beat Minnesota and the fact that they beat them the way they did, mm-hmm. I'm now kind of sold that it might not be a fluke. That's what I was going to say. This was the game that I'm pointing to as, as I the think proof it's of the a little fluky, but this made me feel like, okay, they at the very least have one elite unit. This defense can absolutely play with the best of them. Yeah, they at the very least can compete with, you know, the top teams. And I think this I is think. the recipe. This is a pretty classic top of the Big Ten West team, right? It's great defense, can run the ball. Quarterback is a question, you know, for as, you know, I mean, I mean they have an okay quarterback. They can throw it a little bit, but they're not going to beat it. They're not going to score a billion points on you. They're not going to hang in a shootout. And they're not going to be able to beat the best teams in the country. What they're going to be able to do is they're going to be able to ground and pound and frustrate the hell out of you on defense. And that's enough to win a lot of games, particularly in this division and particularly in a weak year in this division. So I think Illinois stacks up really well. I really do like their odds going forward in the Big Ten West. And and this matchup coming up here soon with Purdue is going to tell us everything we need to know about really the the Big Ten West and who's going to be playing in Indianapolis at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I I was a little bit skeptical in the whole Illinois thing, um, the whole Illinois Big Ten championship thing. I'm a lot more sold on it now. I think, I mean, just from a record perspective, they're in a great spot um, in, in terms of standings and conference standings. And their only loss was, it was in conference, but it was out of division. So that's uh, that's a positive step. I think from a record perspective and a team potential perspective, uh, I'm probably twice, if not three times more sold on Illinois this week than I was a week ago. If we see an Illabuck game in Indianapolis, is there any chance it's competitive, Reed? No comment. No comment. Um, 
Yeah, no, no comment on that. No, but I would love to see. I would love to see a game that is uh, a competition for two trophies as opposed to just one. That'd be pretty. That's cool. fun. Would they bring out the yellow buck for it? Do you think? Uh, that's probably above my pay grade. I don't really know that, but uh, I think it'd be cool. I think they ought to. I don't see why not, especially because the yellow buck hasn't been played for about five, six years now. So, um, why not? Why not? Indeed, I'm with you. All right, those are our winners of the week, losers of the week. Now, Reed, I'm gonna let you have the first dibs on this one too. Who's your loser of the week? I'm gonna go ahead and say Braylon Allen of Wisconsin. Yeah, um, he fumbled the ball, fumbled the ball in overtime against Michigan State, and I think, especially in a game like this where it's really a bowl eligibility dogfight, I think the loser of this game is not going to make a bowl game. And in this case, it was Wisconsin. Um, and I think in a game where both teams they're not where they want to be this season, they're struggling. They have uh, not many clear, easy wins left on the schedule. You know, if you're in overtime, you're in a position to uh, potentially come away with a win. You, you just can't afford to fumble like that. It's that's just, you know, th- that's always going to be uh, leaving a bitter taste in your mouth. So uh, Braylon Allen's got to be loser of the week. That's, that's uh, got to be disappointing. It's got to be a real, um, real hard pill to swallow for the Wisconsin fans out there. And especially for a guy as talented as him, who, who's had as many high points over the last two years as him. That's a tough Absolutely. break. And it happens, you know, I don't think it's fair to dog on the guy too much and you're not doing that, but yeah, it, it does happen. And it sucks that it just happened at, really the worst time possible. So that's a fair loser of the week. T- tough break for him. Bounce back next week. I, th- I think he will. I think he's that talented of a guy. So hoping for the best for him, you know, y- you hate to see it really. No matter you do, yeah. or that that's just crushing. You feel for the guy, but uh, that's football, right? Plays like that happen. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. You move on. All right. My loser of the week. Um, and this isn't an easy one to say, but uh, it's the Indiana defense and really Tom Allen who calls the Indiana defense. So Tua Tungabailoa goes out, or Talia Tungabailoa, excuse me, a wrong brother, pardon me. He gets out of the game. He's injured in the fourth quarter while Indiana has the lead. He's carted off the field. It, it felt awful for him. Hopefully he can, you know, there, there's a chance he plays this week. He's going to be a game time decision against Northwestern. So hopefully he plays this week, but it didn't look good in real time. I was down there on the field in Bloomington. So he's out of the game. Indiana has a lead. You would think that this is where Indiana's defense says, all right, let's finish this off. Let's win this game. It's the fourth quarter. We are winning. We are facing the backup quarterback. We can win this game. Then Indiana's defense completely collapses against a quarterback who can't throw the ball past the line of scrimmage and has one move in his arsenal and it's run the ball. And that quarterback ran all over them to the tune of, Maryland taking a two-score lead into garbage time and Indiana scoring a garbage time touchdown to make it look a lot less bad on the scoreboard. It, you know, five-point loss doesn't look terrible. But the fact of the matter is Indiana choked this game of the way because their defense completely blew it. And, uh, you know, you, you can try and pin this on the players. I don't think it's on the players. I think it's completely on scheme. I think it's on Tom Allen. And I think it's on the Hoosiers for just not anticipating that a quarterback whose only trick is running the ball would run the ball. Who would have thought? If Talia stayed in the game, Indiana wins it, probably, the, the way they were playing. But, you know, you, you change one element on, on them, and they just can't prepare for it. And, and that, that was a really big indictment of Indiana's coaching, in my mind. If you can't stop them there, if you can't win the game there, then what are you doing? What are you doing? Really disappointing game from Indiana towards the end. And, again, they played well for the most part, but – Really disappointing finish. You just can't let that happen. In a million years, you cannot let that happen. Disappointing. Yeah, I mean, that's 
you know, adaptability is is the sign of a good team and a successful team. And unfortunately for Indiana, uh, especially this week, yeah, the adaptability did not seem to be there. Absolutely. And I think it raises a lot of questions about this coaching staff and this team going forward into the rest of the season and into the final five games for IU. So that's it for our winners and losers of the week. Let's get into on the second half of our program, the player of the week, the wheezy of the week, if you remember that award and our ballots. So coming up here after a quick break, we'll get into the second half of the show and we will see you after this. Back here on the first and 10 podcast, ready to get into the second half of this episode. Let's start with our players of the week, Reed. I'll give you the floor. Who is your player of the week in the Big Ten this week? So I got two, and they kind of just go hand in hand. It was hard to pick one over the other. It's going to be Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum. You know, I talked about the running game earlier um, for Michigan and just how dominant it was and how great of a sign that is for Michigan. You know, Edwards, 173 yards, two touchdowns. Corum, 166, two touchdowns you know, really splitting hairs between the two of them. I guess Donovan Edwards had the better game because he had more yards and fewer carries, but, you know, it's not by much. Um, you got to give both guys extreme credit here. And, you know, McCarthy was fine in the game, but it, it was the run game that did it. And uh, these two players absolutely stood out in, in a game that we were talking about. It was going to be a test for Michigan, probably, you know, not probably, definitely the hardest team the Wolverines have played this season. Uh, and these two were the star players uh, who, who really got it done and an impressive win for them. Absolutely. Really pick your poison. I, I think you can go either way with the award there. So definitely fair to give it to either of them. And uh, and I'm with you then. So my player of the week, though, Reed, I'm going with a Purdue player here, Charlie Jones, receiver for the Boilers. Another great game for him, the Iowa transfer, who has completely demolished his receiving stats from Iowa last season. Just a, a totally new player. Or maybe, just maybe, can you believe this, Reed? Iowa was underutilizing assets in their offense because they run an archaic scheme. What? Who would have thought? And maybe, maybe Spencer Petras was throwing the ball to him. And and maybe Brian Ferentz was in over his head. Maybe Brian Ferentz doesn't deserve to be the offensive coordinator at Iowa. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into the whole uh, nepotism thing, but I see it basically every day on Twitter, people complaining about him having the job like, there. So I feel like make of that what you will. I feel like there are going to be Iowa fans in our comment section thanking us for finally talking about this because we, <laughs> we don't talk about it nearly enough. But yeah, Brian Ferentz is, is not particularly good at his job. And I think that's being nice. So um, Charlie Jones, man, he has been a revelation for Purdue. 12 catches, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Just another unreal game for him. It feels like every single week he, he's just going out there and, and absolutely torching somebody else on defense and he doesn't he isn't the most physically imposing player he isn't gonna beat you with his size he's quick he just gets down the field he gets open he he did have a bit of a bang up he, he got a little hurt this week and uh it sounds like he'll be playing though and uh and hopefully he, he can stay healthy because he's a heck of a player to watch so charlie jones is definitely my my player of the week i would call him the best receiver in the big 10 who doesn't wear an ohio state uniform because i think ohio state's got two, if not three receivers who are better than him. But man, outside of that, it's hard to find a guy better than this. I think he's better than Rakim Jarrett even. Wow. Yeah, that's high praise. And I love Rakim Jarrett. Don't get me wrong. But I think outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba, I maybe he's on the same level as Igbuka. I think he's better than Fleming. I think he's better than, you know, pick your favorite, whether it's Cam Campers had a great season or Rakim Jarrett, Dante Demas. Um no, there are great receivers all across the Big Ten, but 
man, Charlie Jones is on another level this year. This guy is just so tough to stop. That is definitely a good uh, play of the week. Thank you, Reed. I appreciate that. So uh, I like your players of the week too. Uh, <laughs> we like to come. Nothing like a good player of the week. Nothing like a good player of the week. Yeah. We, we don't pick a lot of bad players of the week. I, I, I don't know if we've ever picked a bad player as our player of the week. When we go, we're just going to pick like, uh, I don't know, pick, pick, pick your favorite. Bad Petrus. Yeah. Petrus. It, it'll be a, it'll be a crazy day if that ever happens. Reed, you could have given it to Peyton Thorne who, who won you a, a bet between the two of us. So, uh, I owe Reed ten. Bucks. I could have, yeah. That we was, uh, that was the bet. I, I owe Reed ten bucks. Not even a bet. It's just a, you know, little gentleman's agreement. I'll buy him a pizza or something that'll that'll cover the price and then some. I'll leave a nice tip. There we go for the pizza. Yeah. So next next Columbus trip, Panzeras on me. There we go. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, we love a good Panzeras pie on the first and ten. Not sponsored. Should be though. Should be though. I would take a Panzeras sponsor. Mister Panzera, give us a call. Wherever he is, he or she. One eight hundred first and one G. Give us a call. Um, we'll drop it. Yeah, I'll I'll drop a Panzeras ad every five minutes if I have to. Grandview Heights, make it happen. All right. Um, next, I I do think game of the week here. I think it's Minnesota Illinois. Reed. Me too. Yeah, I don't think we need to talk too much about it. We we already talked about it, but man, this was a revelation for that Illinois defense. And it was really tough to watch Minnesota play, but Illinois is fun. They're cool. They're exciting on defense. It's, it's really entertaining to watch. They, they do so much unique stuff in, in their, in their scheming. And they have a lot of great players on really every facet of this defense. So yeah, I, I've said all that before on the show and, and I'll continue to say it. I'll, I'll say, I'll say Illinois, Minnesota here. I mean, some, some of the other games are pretty good. You know, Purdue, Nebraska was fun. I watched a lot of that game. Michigan State, Wisconsin went to overtime. Indiana, Maryland ended up being a close one, even if yeah, really it was just a choke job by IU. And that can be entertaining too, assuming you're not a fan of the Hoosiers. And even then, it, it can be entertaining in its own sick, twisted, terrible way. But, but yeah, Illinois, Minnesota, man, that was fun. It, just to watch Illinois do that, you can tell that there's a, a certain joy and relief for Illinois fans seeing the team do this. It, it's similar to think like 2020 with Indiana or 2019 with Minnesota. 2022 with Kansas for a little bit before they started losing. Now, even 2020 with Northwestern, just seeing the fans be like, finally, we've got this team that can do this. On, on our national stage and after Syracuse so- this year has got to be another one of those Syracuse two this year but hey Syracuse was pretty good like five or so years ago yeah they were yeah I mean they, they had some good teams there at Dungy so yeah I, I wouldn't throw Syracuse into that mix but I will absolutely say Kansas is in there Illinois Northwestern Indiana but even Northwestern 2020 Northwestern hit different though I, I will say so um you know it, it's been a trend we've seen one or two teams a year doing this for the last few years. Wake Forest last year is one you can throw in there. Vandy under James Franklin. Yeah, just completely subverting expectations. These historically – well, Illinois is not historically dormant. Illinois is historically great, but over the last 20 or 30 years have not been very good. So Illinois getting a a taste of victory after so many years of terribleness and bitter, terrible football seasons where you just lead into basketball season in – like September, like, well, basketball's almost here and you're two months out from the season. So uh, I've been there. I'm there right now. And, and we're getting even closer to basketball every single week. I can't wait. So um, 
it, it's good for Illinois. There was a certain buzz in the crowd you could just feel. It, it makes me happy for them. So good for the Illini fans. It, it's definitely deserved after all these years of heartbreak. So that's our game of the week. And now it's time for our favorite segment, our new segment. If you don't remember this, we did it last week, introduced it, the Wheezy of the Week. If you're unfamiliar, Lil Wayne, the rapper, has a famous trick he uses in his songs, a lyric where he says, Wheezy F, baby, and the F is for fill in the blank. It's not for fill in the blank, but uh, for all intents and purposes here, it is. He picks a word that starts with F and says that is what the F in his nickname, Wheezy F, baby, stands for. We find something to make it stand for every single week. So read this week, Wheezy F, baby, and the F is for fake traditions. Fake traditions. This is one. There, this, is a, this, this is a, a this is a this is a classic read option rant from season one. This is I, this is what I like about the about the Wheezy of the week is that it can be if we want it to kind of a read option kind of thing. This is kind of a three pronged Wheezy. You, you original um, first and ten listeners, you season one fans who have been here for the last one hundred and twenty something episodes, you remember the read option. Welcome back, oh, yeah. to read option. We are back. Read, give me your read option right here. The Wheezy F read option, whatever you want to call it. The floor is yours. So I'm talking about fake traditions, specifically fake musical quote unquote traditions. Um, What I mean by this, the first of them is going to be Michigan and Mr. Brightside. For some reason, Michigan has tricked people into thinking that playing Mr. Brightside at their stadium is, is somehow their tradition. And Michigan fans have, have tricked others into thinking that, oh, Mr. Brightside at Michigan Stadium, oh, it just hits different. Oh, it's just, you know, whatever. Somehow this has become a thing in certain people's brains that, you know, Michigan and Mr. Brightside is Michigan's thing. And it's this great Michigan tradition. Saw a tweet the other day from Dave Solfaro. Uh, he is the head of creative content and communications at PFF. I uh, posted a video from the press box saying you cannot beat Mr. Brightside at Michigan stadium. And this is, he's not some Michigan home or anything to my knowledge. He has no connection to Michigan. He was just there covering the game, but he took this video posted it on Twitter. Um, I get it right. If it's, you know, they start playing Mr. Brightside then they shut it off and the whole crowd sings it. That's cool. Right. Still not really a team specific tradition because everyone can do that. But anyway, but in this particular video, he couldn't even really hear people singing. They were just playing the song in the stadium. And I'm just thinking, when did Mr. Brightside become this Michigan Wolverine tradition? Everybody plays Mr. Brightside. Ohio State plays Mr. Brightside every single game. And then they shut the music off and the whole stadium sings it, uh, you know, once the the play starts. This is a thing everywhere. And I feel like Mr. Brightside in particular, maybe and maybe the Killers did go to Michigan and I'm not aware of it. But to my knowledge, Killers have no tie to the University of Michigan. Yeah, they're from Nevada. No known ties, at least known to me, uh, to the University of Michigan or to the state of Michigan. I feel like Mr. Brightside is in particular is a song that transcends team rivalries, political parties, religions. This is a song that everybody loves. Everybody so trying to take absolutely when you try to take Mr. Brightside and make it your own thing. And this is why I was also not happy when my local Nashville soccer club made Mr. Brightside the goal song for 2022. I'm like, okay, come on. Everyone love, knows and loves Mr. Brightside. Let's not make <laughs> there's always an, there's always a local um, angle read. There's always a national exactly. But what is this? This whole Michigan Mr. Brightside, there's nothing like it. Oh, it's just different at Michigan Stadium. It's not different in the slightest. Just invent a tradition in like 2019 and pretend you've been doing it for 100 years. And I will also, because I'm I'm not biased here, I will also critique Ohio State for doing something similar with the Timmy Trumpet Narco song 
They just kind of oh. took that right from the Mets. They play oh. it every game. And it's cool. It's a cool song. It's a cool spotlight on uh, the band. You know, a new trumpet player gets to play it every time. It's a fun thing to hear. It's a nice song. Gets people going. But the Mets start it, and it's not – it has no real tie to Ohio State. So I don't love that either. I don't love the, the – you know, I love to biddle, but I don't love to biddle kind of pretending that narco is – you know, it's our new tradition, whatever. Because I um, am but the, biased. I'm going to defend Indiana on one. And that they, I don't think they've even done it this season. They, were, they would play Jack and Diane between the third and fourth quarters. John Mellencamp from Bloomington, that's the tie. So there's at least something there. If the killers were yeah. from Arbor, I'd be like, okay, fine. That's cool. Exactly. But, but I don't ever hear Indiana no fans time. saying, I don't ever hear Indiana fans saying, oh, there's nothing like a Jack and Diane at the Rock. Never heard that. I hear all the time. There's nothing like Mr. Brightside at the big house. Well, also because Michigan fans are loud and annoying. It's what it is. It is it's left. just <laughs> every, every person, especially every college student, Knows Mr. Brightside, loves Mr. Brightside. Everybody played at parties everywhere in every college. You can't take Mr. Brightside and make it your own thing. Get that out of my face. Bar or a sporting event in the last fifteen years, you have heard that song because it's it's universally loved and it's a great song. It's a great song. Um, Second fake tradition. This uh, this one you you can't just steal that. I'm I'm with you. You just can't. No, that's that. Um, the second uh, fake musical tradition, we're going down to the state of Tennessee. We're going down to Rocky Top. I'm not talking about Rocky Top because that song, that's not fake. That's perfect. That's really um, But this is something that the folks on Rocky Top have taken to recently. After Tennessee beat Florida 38-31, I believe, was the final score this season. Um, I saw a video from the locker room of them singing, we don't give a damn for the whole state of Florida. The whole state of Florida. The whole state of Florida. We don't give a damn for the whole state of Florida. And I forget, they might have said we're from Tennessee, or they might have said we're from Rocky Top. I don't know. Basically, they took word for word, bar for bar, the song We Don't Give a Damn for the Whole State of Michigan, a well-known song in Columbus, Ohio, uh, and tried to make it their own. And I looked this up because I do know, I know my university well. I know that there are certain songs like the song I Want to Go Back. Uh, that is not an Ohio State original. That was that originated in at Cal. Then it went to Michigan. Then it ended up Ohio State. So I know Ohio State is one to sometimes take songs from other schools. I did my research on this to see maybe somehow we don't give a damn for the whole state of Florida came before for the whole state of Michigan. In my research, I could not find any past iteration of we don't give a damn for the whole state of Florida. I believe they just sang that this year. And, and, well, and they, I saw they were fans, the state of Alabama. Is and then, and then this week it, it came up again because they were singing Alabama. Um, and I saw Tennessee fans on Twitter all talk and Tennessee fans are like, Oh, you know, Oh, we just came up with this song. It's awesome. I, I can't stand that. I cannot stand just, you know, taking, we don't give a damn for the whole state of Michigan, a, a song. Honestly, it's so simple, but it's so perfect as a rivalry song and just saying, you know what? We're going to do it ourselves. I don't like it. Um, it. It's it really sucks, and it sucks that Tennessee fans that some Tennessee fans, I should say, I'm not going to group all Tennessee fans together. Some Tennessee fans think that that it's you know their own thing. And my dad said this, and I agree with him that come November, you know, there's going to be videos of we don't give a damn for the whole state of Michigan, and, and SEC fans are going to see it and say, oh, look at Ohio State stealing Tennessee's thing, which is going to make all of us go through the roof. Uh, third thing, this is not really a fake tradition, more just kind of a chant or a song that i that i just have to air my grievances about um the the chant that goes it's great to be a blah 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 i said it's great 
worst song chant, whatever you want to call it, in the world. What is it's great to be a whatever I hear it the most with Michigan, Tennessee. It's great to be a Michigan Wolverine. It's great to be a Tennessee ball. So original. It's great to be us. I mean, come on. What come up with something better here? It's so anyone can do that. What, what are we doing here? If you're Michigan or you're Tennessee, you're a storied enough program. You got to have better songs, better chance than it's great to be a wow. Michigan Wolverine. I sure like being a part of my school. I mean, come on. We yippee kaye. Look, you're at better me. than that, Michigan. This was vintage are. RJM here. This was this is one of your best. And this isn't even me trying to. This isn't even a oh, I go to Ohio State, boo Michigan thing. If Wisconsin did this, I'd be ripping into Wisconsin. Maybe they do. Maybe they maybe they have something like this that's you know just as lame that I don't know about. But this is this is purely from a I love you know having cool songs, cool traditions associated with your team, and these things all just suck. So uh, don't don't even think this is a poo-poo on Michigan session because that's not yeah. what this is. Because, you know, th- there are people in our audience who would think, oh, it's all about Reed hates Michigan, Reed hates Tennessee. I hate fake musical, uh, you know, intangibles uh, that are associated with teams. And this is, these are prime examples. Can't stand them. Reed, I, I don't know how I'm going to top this rant because, quite frankly, I'm not going to. You're not going to. Just no. just. Just get in, get out with whatever, whatever your wheezy is. I, I will get in and out of this. Read this. This is some of the best I, I've heard. This is Bravo, beautiful, specific niche rant that makes a lot of sense to me. I loved it. I'll give you your flowers, Bravo. Um, Reed, I want you to give me the lead in to the wheezy F. Patrick, wheezy F baby, and the F is four. Frames Janklin. <laughs> That's my that's my wheezy of the week. Frames Janklin, aka James Franklin. I I had to mix up the words to make it work. I'm keeping on the F. The F is for Franklin failed. Whatever. The F is for find a better excuse, James. Come on. There you um, go. James Franklin in his press conference today, actually Tuesday, as we're recording this, he said about Michigan having one tunnel in the stadium. We need to put a policy in place to stop this because there was a confrontation between the two teams. Number one, come on. What is you you lost by you lost 41 to 17. You really you really think the two teams being chippy with each other at halftime is gonna change that? You know how many iconic moments there are of Ohio State and Michigan getting chippy in that tunnel? If anything, that should just fire your team up more and they should play better. Come on. Or if you think it's such an issue, then why don't you take better control of your team and tell them don't get into fights with the other team's players in the tunnel? Come on. There there's been one tunnel in Michigan Stadium for a hundred years roughly 100 years at this point, as long as the stadium's existed. There's not really a way around that. You can't just completely redo how the interior of a century-year-old, not year-old, a century-old stadium works. You can't just do that. But what you can do is you cannot complain, and you can just take it on the chin and say, we lost, we need to take better control of the game, and we shouldn't be fighting with other teams' players. That was uncalled for. This isn't a problem for the most part when other teams go into Michigan Stadium. It was a problem for your team, though. Take, you know, look, take a look in the mirror. Come on. Find a better excuse. You lost the game by a lot. This isn't why you lost. If anything, that should have just fired you up more. I'm not, I'm not here to hear what, you know. Penn State blew the game. They absolutely had no business being as close as they were in the first half, but they were that close. So you think step up your game in the second half and, and go win it. They did the exact opposite. They rolled over and died. So, yeah, find a better excuse. That's my Wheezy F of the week. Read any thoughts. 
Yeah, that that's really disappointing here from uh, Frames Janklin. <laughs> I was proud of that one. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah i mean that's that's really a poor excuse i mean and i don't know if he's blaming the loss on that or not but if he is no, I, I, Lord, I, I, James, I don't think it's know. everything but even then it's just there's always something i feel like with him that there's to whine about and it's, yeah it's come whiny. On. it's whiny come it's just it's uncalled for you don't need to do that come on take take, take a look in the mirror every once in a while don't blame the stadium blame your team if you know or don't blame anybody just say we need to be better it's not about blame. There doesn't have to be blame for everything. You can just say we should have done that and we should be better. Or, you know, I talked with Coach Harbaugh and he agreed that uh, we shouldn't have done that and we shouldn't have let our teams do that or whatever. So don't blame Michigan Stadium for being built the way Michigan Stadium's built. You know how it's built coming into the game. You've played enough games there over the years. Tell your team, don't get chippy with the other guys. Yeah, because, so, I mean, it, like you said, he's played many games there before. It's not like... This isn't, How, why is it an issue now and it wasn't before? I don't why know. Was, yeah, why wasn't this an issue when you played there eight years ago or whatever? Like, come on. It, it's just a terrible excuse. I, I just don't like it. So that's my Wheezy of the Week. Reed, that's it for our weekly awards and our weekly chat about what the Big Ten was like this week. So let's get into our student media poll ballots this week, Reed. The Ohio State Buckeyes are once again the number one team in the student media poll, although they did receive one fewer first place vote than the number two Georgia Bulldogs, 21 to 22. The Buckeyes trailed that, but they won first place in the polls again. They're one, Georgia's two, Tennessee's three. It's a very tight race in the top three though. Reed, let's read our ballots here. Same as always, Big 10 teams will read off first, and then we will do our top five. So, Reed, I'll give you mine first. I've got Ohio State one, Michigan four, then UCLA, Big 10 team, technically nine. <laughs> we no. say we've got another. Not yet. Not yet. And we've got another Big 10 team in the top 10 now that Penn State's dropped. So, uh, Penn State 16, Purdue 21, Illinois 22, and then my top five in order Ohio State one, Tennessee two, Clemson three, Michigan four. Georgia five. Some of you have called me crazy for that one. I will explain it later. Reed, what does your top five and your big 10 rankings look like right now? Top five. We got number one, Ohio state, number two, Tennessee, just like last week. I am a prophet. I, uh, or I, you know, I, I had the prophecy. Um, and I will always hang my hat on that. Absolutely. Number three, Michigan, number four, Clemson, number five, Georgia. Um, and then as we go into the Big Ten, we got one Ohio State, three Michigan, 17 Penn State, 20 Illinois, 22 Purdue, and two notably unranked will be Minnesota and Maryland. Yeah, so let's get into it here a little bit. I'll talk about our top fives first. Reed, I, th- I think Tennessee and Ohio State are pre- pretty clear two and one, and, and Ohio State to me is the best team in the country because simply they haven't shown any weaknesses, and maybe that's a virtue of their schedule, but Every other team in the top five has had moments where they've looked human. Ohio State hasn't. That's the difference for me there. I know the one that most people are going to come at me for is Georgia at five and also Clemson at three, and I'll explain both of those. I think three, four, five is very close between Clemson, Michigan, and Georgia. Here's the difference for me. Georgia does have the best win of the bunch, but they also have the lowest lows of those three. Georgia's entire game against Kent State and Georgia's entire game against Missouri were disgusting. They were awful football. And I know Georgia's looked better in recent weeks. I know they just beat up Vanderbilt. Congrats. Yippee, you beat Vanderbilt by 55 points. Con- congratulations, Georgia. Don't care. You know, you, you can't lay an egg against Missouri and come out barely alive and also lay an egg against Kent State and come out alive because it was a Mac school and then expect me to keep you 
at number two in the country. I'm just not going to do that. I don't think that's fair. I don't think they're that kind of team. I think Georgia has potential to be the best team in the country. Right now, I don't think they've played like it every single week. They need to show me more. They need to show me if they can do it against a real SEC team because they did against Oregon, but they've also had two games where they look terrible. And I'm choosing to believe that they're somewhere in between those. I think they're still very clearly a top five team, but I think on their worst days, they have looked far worse than Michigan, Clemson, Tennessee, or Ohio State. And now the Clemson one, I have had to defend to some people who think I'm insane for having, how could you have Clemson ahead of Georgia? I have Clemson ahead of Georgia because of this. Clemson, yeah, they've struggled at points, but they've played a consistently really good schedule week in and week out. Wake Forest is a great team, uh, or at least a greatly co- very well-coached team, and I think a very talented team. They haven't really had the results this year, but I think they're very good. There's Wake Forest. NC State's a good team. I think Florida State's a good team. And, and Clemson has taken care of business. Even if they've struggled at points, they have absolutely wiped the floor with their competition for the most part, except when they haven't had the chance to against you know a really good team like, like Wake. So um and and on the road a tough environment I might add so I will defend Clemson here I think they're a good team I I really like what I've seen from them both offensively and defensively and I'm going to add with Georgia too I know they won the national championship last year I'm still not sold on Stetson Bennett I think he's a very limited quarterback and I can't believe it hasn't come back to bite him more often this season Georgia's defense is obviously very good they're very talented they're about as good as any in the country they're such an unbalanced team, though. I just think their defense is so much better than their offense. And that's part of why I like Ohio State as much as I do, is that Ohio State has a great offense, top offense in the country. It also has an elite defense. Michigan's pretty similar in that regard. I don't love their passing game as much. Tennessee is very unbalanced, but that offense is just so unreal that you have to have them at number two, especially with that resume. Clemson is very similar to Ohio State. I don't think Clemson is as good as Ohio State but they're balanced like Ohio State is. They can play great offense. They can play great defense. And Georgia can play great offense against, you know, they did against Oregon, so they can obviously do it, but they didn't do it against Georgia. They didn't do it against Kent State. So I'm going to choose to believe that Georgia is more limited than any of those four teams are offensively. So that's why my top five is the way it is. Uh, I can talk a little bit about the Big Ten schools too. Not much to say. I already talked about Ohio State. talked a little bit about Michigan. Um, Penn, Penn State, I moved down. They lost. Simple as that. I, I already wasn't super sold in them anyway, but 5-0 and was 5-0. and So I think 16-17 range is pretty fair for them right now. Maybe a little generous, all things considered. Purdue 21 is also maybe a little generous, but I think their resume is great. Again, two losses to ranked teams by a combined uh, seven points. So, you know, plus a few really good road wins. I like this Purdue team a lot. Illinois 22, one spot behind Purdue. Uh, I think Illinois' loss to Indiana is worse than both of Purdue's losses, even though Purdue has two of them and Illinois only has one of them. That Indiana loss stings a lot more than either a Penn State or a Syracuse loss. Just looks a lot worse. And Illinois also hasn't played a particularly tough schedule. Purdue's played some real teams like Maryland, Minnesota. Those are good teams. I know Illinois also played Minnesota, but you know, Illinois has racked up wins playing against a lot of crap teams. And Purdue hasn't played world beaters, I wouldn't say. They've played some good teams, and, they, and they've looked good for 57 minutes against both Syracuse and Penn State. And they struggled with FAU, to be fair, but that was without Aiden O'Connell. I think that's a different team. I, I do think they're just about even, though, and I think when they play in a couple weeks, it'll be close. Matter of personal preference, I prefer Purdue to Illinois. So that's how I see it in the Big Ten this week. Reed. That's my soapbox. How do you see your top five and the Big Ten? Why do you line them up the way you do? 
I see both of them pretty similar to you. Um, Ohio State, number one, Tennessee, number two. And I think it's uh, I think there's a pretty clear difference between the two teams. I think Ohio State and Tennessee have pretty much equivalent offenses. And Ohio State is much, much better than Tennessee defense, at least for now, uh, as far as we can tell. So I think Ohio State is the number one just best, most talented team. And I think they're the most balanced team. I think just overall complete football team to Tennessee. Um, they, they impressed me a lot against Alabama. Um, and I, I think they did answer some of the questions. I think it's not, it's not a fluke where they are. Uh, so they got to go there. Michigan, number three, got them there, buff them up. Uh, they were four last week, uh, I believe. And then now, now they're three for me. Um, I, like I said, the, the running game there really impressed me. And it just, it, it showed me that it's going to take a lot to, to, to stop Michigan where they're strong. And I think that's a great sign of a top tier team. I really believe in Michigan this season. Four Clemson, five Georgia, just like you. I got Clemson above Georgia, and people tell me I'm crazy for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, you know, I, this isn't necessarily a hill that I'm going to die on, but I, I did elect to go with Clemson over Georgia because I feel like Clemson, although, you know, don't get me wrong, I am skeptical on Clemson to an extent, especially first game of the season when Clemson really did not look good against Georgia Tech. People had Clemson at like four or five. I had Clemson at about 15 or 16. I forget exactly where they were. Uh, but I think Clemson has really proved itself. They've improved as the season has gone on, which I think is a great sign. Georgia's kind of in the opposite, and they're, they're trending up in the right direction. But, um, you know, anyway, I'll get back to Georgia in a second. Um, Clemson has trended in the right direction. They've responded well to the challenges they've faced in Wake Forest and NC State. And, and they had a close win against Florida State, but I think also Florida State was able to creep back in late in the game. I think Clemson exhibited strong control for uh, a good portion of this game. And I also think Florida State's a good team. And to beat mm-hmm. them on the road the way they did, I, I was impressed by the Florida State win. I know Florida um, State came back late, but that's because Florida State's good and that's a great home crowd. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't think that's an indictment on, on, on Clemson, excuse me, at all. I think they've got a lot of good wins on their resume. And, and yes, the Georgia Tech game looked bad. And, uh, you know, but, you know, they, they took but care they of business against, against Georgia Tech. That's the thing is, you know, they the, did. And, and they took that. care of business against Boston College, a team that I think is kind of level mm-hmm. with Georgia Tech. You know, a couple weeks on, they played a much better, more complete game against a team of similar skill level. So that's a sign of improvement that I love to see from them. Georgia, now I can't really expect improvement for week one because I think their week one win is the most impressive win anybody has gotten in, the, in this college football season. Maybe the Tennessee Alabama win is the only one that can compete with that. I think. 49 I, I, would say, I would say the yeah, Georgia Oregon is the best performance of the season. Just based that's off. the best performance matter. of the season from anyone. So uh, that is it is hard for me to have a team that did that at number five. However, I don't believe in putting too much stake in a week one game because for all we know, Oregon, you know, Oregon looks great right now, but Oregon could be a completely different team now than they were um, six weeks ago. I don't want to put too much stake in something that happened that long ago. And granted, the Kent State and Mizzou incidents that I'm mainly faulting them for also happened a few weeks ago, but I think those, but Georgia hasn't had to play anybody of note since then. Exactly. And that's, and you so say, yes, they took care of business oh, against Auburn yeah. and Vanderbilt, but it who doesn't take care of business? I, I had yesterday. Hey, I went on the student media poll podcast yesterday and I had Ryan Haley and Jack Duffy, who I adore try and tell me that, Oh, but they beat South Carolina badly. Don't give me that. South Carolina sucks. <laughs> South Carolina sucks. Do not try and tell me, oh, Georgia's legit because they beat South Carolina. And South Carolina. And, and, and I'll say, and Kentucky I was impressed by the too. South Carolina game. Kentucky sucks too. There's your answer. I didn't rank Kentucky. I was I impressed. Good. Don't care. I was impressed by the South Carolina win in the same sense that I was impressed by the Boston College Clemson win because mm. not in that, that I think this is something that boosts them up, but it's more just something that doesn't bring them down. You know what I mean? 
they're you know they're good wins, but it's what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Georgia yeah, has you, been you less and Vanderbilt. Yippee. Yeah, you know, Georgia's gotten more consistent in the last few weeks, but I still think Georgia has less consistency than Clemson. And I think overall, they're a little bit more shaky. Uh, And I don't think I can have full confidence in them that they're going to uh, run the table, win the SEC, go to the playoff or anything like that. I I mean, it's definitely possible. They're, you know, it is possible, but they have a clear path. And, you know, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it's, you know, that that it's a guarantee that that Georgia's some inevitable force. I don't think that's true at all. I think Tennessee is a much better football team right now. And I know Georgia gets that game at home, which is great for them. Tennessee's a better football team. And it's hard. It, it feels weird to say that, but I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Straight um, up. Then with the Big Ten, I'm going to kind of quickly zip through these. Uh, 17 Penn State. I think I had them at 16 last week, and they might have only – they might have been at 17. I don't know. They didn't drop much. You know, kind of looking back on it, I looked at that result. It's kind of what they should have done against Michigan anyway, um, and I never had them too high anyway. Um, Illinois, like I said, much more sold on them this week than I was last week. I don't think I ranked them last week. Now I got to bump them up to 20. I was impressed. I think this is one that kind of cements them as a serious team. Same with Purdue. And especially, you know, now I, I think it's confirmed that Minnesota is the third best team in the West. I, I was still in on Minnesota last week. Uh, this has me out of them. They're out. Purdue's, Purdue's uh, bumping up. I think I had Purdue ranked last week, but I think they're at roughly the same spot they were because I think the way they beat Nebraska didn't really speak to me too much. But you know, I can't really fault them for that. You know, they, they, they went in, they did the job. So there you go. Uh, Maryland, it, I was, I really didn't like what I saw from them this week. You got to look better against an Indiana team th- than they did. So uh, I'm kind of out. Maybe it was just September Maryland and first week of October Maryland uh, that got to me. Um, but, you know, I still think Maryland's a good team and I think they can absolutely pose a threat for some of the teams in their schedule, namely Ohio State. Uh, but I don't think they're necessarily top 25 good anymore. So, uh you know, I'm sorry to all the the Maryland truthers uh, out there. Uh, I I'm I'm out, and uh, you know I I was, I I was you know the uh, the lead Maryland truther for a while. Um, I still think they're good, especially I think, uh, but but they're not good. Good, you know oh, they're fine. Read. They're fine, but I think uh, might be enough to win eight. Yeah. Oh yeah, they they can win eight. Yeah. Um, but eight wins doesn't get you in the top 25. I don't think so. Uh, no Maryland, no Minnesota this week, uh, Illinois and Purdue. I am more sold on. I feel like I can put more faith into them. So that is my top 25 for the week. All right, Reed. I love to hear it. Anything else before we wrap up the show? I don't think so. Just check out the laner.com. Check out my, uh, my stories. I have the women's hockey story. Now the men's basketball story, check those out. Let me know what you think. A double plug episode from Reed Murray. You already know it. All right, friends. That's it for me on this episode. We'll see you later in the week for our preview for week eight of Big Ten football. I'll be back home for that one. So for Reed Murray, I'm Patrick Feltz saying so long, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.